I think we need to just burn through these supplemental episode or issues here. Yeah, which shouldn't be a problem because honestly, <laughs> most of them were pretty fillery. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. Let's talk about New Mutants first, I guess. Okay, that, that one will go by very quickly. That was a fill-in issue where we learn... It's, it's almost a classic New Mutants story where Cable and Rain are exercising in the Danger Room, and uh, Cable starts up a something to specifically get Rain to freak out. It works, and he has... Or tell her the story about the time that the mutants went to the carnival and fought some scrolls. Yep. <laughs> I don't know that there's anything more to add to that. Um, let's see. No, I thought Cable said something about like how, how he knew something. Oh, the case of the corrupted carnival. How did you, right. how did you know about that? You weren't even with us. I know everything yeah. I need to know about the people I deal with. Rain, both enemies and allies. So come on, let's get some air and you can tell me all about it. And they go through this ridiculous story where they go to the carnival and the carnival is a bunch of scrolls and they they thwart the scroll plan. And at the end of the issue, uh, Rob Liefeld throws in a pinup as kind of an apology where he says, yeah. don't worry, gang, we're heading for Madripoor <laughs> right now. And we'll meet you there in 30 because if you don't, uh, we didn't mention, but this is a fill-in issue in the sense that the writer is Dwight Zimmerman and mm-hmm. the artist is Bob Hall. So it's an entirely different creative team on this one. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And so some things to talk about with this pinup. Um, it's not a good pinup. Although I did notice that Rob Liefeld is getting better at hiding things that he's not good at. <laughs> like feet. Like feet and legs. Yeah. Uh, Warlock, too badass looking, in my opinion. He, he's not, he needs to be more funky with things coming at him. Cannonball's good. Rusty's good, I guess. Sunspot's good. Roberto, yeah, Roberto's, Roberto's probably the best one. Uh, Cable Cable's is, legs are too long. He's too, yeah, legs are too long. He's too wide. Uh, Richter just has kind of like this smug, goofy punk look on his face. I don't like it. I feel like Richter is Rob Liefeld. Could be. Yeah. I think you might be right. Um, Boom Boom? <sighs> this is the Rob Liefeld sexualized version of Boom Boom. Yeah, but it's like... But it's a weird hybrid of like... he has, it's, it's not what he's doing in New Mutants, and it's not what came before. It's somewhere in the middle. He's still working on it. There's a there's a problem with the hips and the boobs. Like, he was going for like, ooh, sex, Boom Boom. <laughs> but what you get is... I uh, like somebody who who got too much augmentation done <laughs> and they're like 40 years old now going like, boy, I wish I wouldn't have gotten all this augmentation done. Yeah. She looks like an old waitress. Yeah. yeah it's bad. Um, and then rain, eh, she's kind of in her wolf, uh, hybrid form. It's not great. Um, I would say that skids looks all right. Although her, her legs are really messed up. Yeah. Which is why I'm saying like, He's hiding his legs because he doesn't really know. He's not the greatest at legs. How do you be a comic book artist and not be able to draw legs and feet? I mean, that's like 50% of a character. Uh, that's probably maybe 40% of a character because there's a lot yeah, of detail you, in the you, face. You do a lot yeah, of dynamic yeah, yeah, poses yeah. that 
you in dynamic poses and panels that allow you to hide the things that you're not the greatest at and you work at it. And, and for the most part, I don't think people were analyzing no, uh, they were the not. art to the degree Absolutely that we are. Uh, the other thing, Rusty and Skids are wearing little X uniforms, but are they at the mansion underground with the new mutants right now or, or heading towards Madripoor? Or no, they've been kidnapped by the the right mutant liberation front or something yeah, yeah, like that. Liber- okay. So I guess this signifies that rusty and skids will be saved and they will join the new mutants. I don't really remember. Or this how that works. is a pinup that he drew well before mm, this issue. That's probably more like it. So, well, then there is uh, Excalibur number 27. Um, um, yeah, this, so this is a, this is an issue that, you you wanna like right because it's it's uh it's Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith with Bill Sienkiewicz doing the inking, so right there you're like oh my gosh it's gonna be all dark and good, and in the past when you have Chris Claremont working with Barry Windsor Smith it's been very special you got your mm-hmm. Wolverine and Katie Power story mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. your uh, Life Death and Life mm-hmm. Death Two, and these were remarkably special stories this is just an average comic book. Um, less than average, I would say, just yeah. because it's got so much story polluting it to the point where it it's. I mean, I I don't even know if I can like boil it down to what it is. Uh, G, I, the the essence of this story is that Jamie Madrox, that's his name, right? No, J, Jamie Braddock. Jamie Braddock. Jamie Braddock. Yep, evil J, Jamie, Jamie Braddock. Jamie brother. Braddock pulls the messes, strings of reality. Messes with the Excalibur. He pulls the strings of reality and. Uh, in this issue, the Inth Men, which is a comic book that I think at one point was written by Larry Hama, yeah, um, is pulled into this universe, and in their universe, Excalibur is a comic book, um, and he swaps places with Nightcrawler and uh, Rachel. They go to the Inth Inth world, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know anything about Inth Men, so this meant nothing to me. A couple of things. <sighs> Because I don't know that we're going to be able to break this down. Uh, when you open, sure. when you open up the book, the, so well, let me back up. The cover is terrible. Um, you don't even know what's happening with the cover, and it's not it's not um, uh, Barry Windsor Smith or Bill Sienkiewicz. It's somebody else, Chris Wozniak, maybe. I don't mind the cover. It's not. Um, I mean, it's okay. But you open up the book, and then you get you get a very, I would say, Bill Sienkiewicz heavily inked drawing. I don't see a ton of Barry Windsor Smith here, but you know, clearly that's, if he's how being... I felt. that's how I felt about most of the issue was that it was more Bill Sienkiewicz yeah. than, than Barry Windsor Smith. But when you open up this first panel, I thought, okay, cool. Like you've got this kind of weird panel layout. You got Jamie Madra or Jamie Braddock sitting on his chair and he's got just his underwear on and he looks all weird. And he's got the stringy hair. And then you get this next panel where it's kind of photorealistic where he looks up and you can see all of his stubble and then his neck kind of snaps backward. The first couple of dialogue, the little narration boxes are like, are like crooked, kind of like indicating like warped reality. Jamie Braddock sits watching the world whiz, we're in wonderment, or whiz by, whiz by we in wonderment. Not great dialogue. <laughs> whiz by we. And so I wish they would have kind of carried that on and made like more. Those are the only two narration boxes that I can recall that are skewed. All of them are the rest of them, and there's a lot of them, uh, are, are very rectangular and level. 
Um, so even kind of that sort of distorted reality that it seemed like they were trying to create uh, lasts for a quarter of a page. Then you've got like Nigel Forbish, who is a hybrid of himself and uh, Courtney Ross. So he's a man with a woman's face and maybe a woman's body. Which I vaguely remember. Uh, yeah, being that happened a, a while thing that ago. Happened. And then, uh, but, the, but then there's also he also tur- he's also playing this other woman who I, I know was a character from uh, Excalibur, Vixen. She's some sort of crime lord, mm. and he turns like Jamie Braddock turns Nigel Forbusher, whatever his name is, into Vixen, or yeah. he is Vixen, or I don't I like I I just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, so he pulls some strings, and and now instead of being well, she, she, he's also he, she, however you want to refer to Nigel, that I, because when he first enters page, page two, I guess you just see a man with blonde hair, and then on the next page you see a man with blonde hair, but then you zoom in and you, and you see these very distinct earrings and and kind of like feminine lips, and then kind of like feminine eyes, and you're like, okay, wait a minute, I remember there was like a thing that Jamie did to kind of like merge Courtney Ross and Nigel Forbisher, Forbish. Not Forbush man, Nigel, mm-hmm. for whatever his name is, uh, and Nigel. then let's just call him Nigel. Nigel, and then towards the end of the page, you get kind of a, a very distinct what looks like a Courtney Ross kind of coif of hair uh, and female lips. And you're like, okay, there there was something going on about that, but then on the next page, he's, he pulls the strings of reality, which is a funny thing to say because isn't that what uh, Bella Lugosi says in uh, uh, in front of Glenn or Glenda? Pull the strings, pull the strings. I think is something he says. Anyways, uh, that's neither here nor there. And so now, is that in the uh, is that in the 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 Tim Burton movie? Yeah, I, yeah. I so suspect it's, it's, it's was it an be... actual quote from Glenn or Glenda? Like, I I think so because I think okay. no, I don't know. I don't. I've never seen Glenn or Glenda. I've only seen it in the context of the Tim Burton movie. So maybe some of it was. Okay. Anyways, um. Uh, he pulls those strings and now he, he's, I guess he's this vixen person, but he's, he's uh, a man with breasts and I don't know what's happening here. Uh, and it doesn't seem to go anywhere. And he's just like, Oh, come on. I got a, I got a meeting. I can't go like this. A final yeah, go. He, <laughs> he, he's, he doesn't seem upset about the fact that he changed him to another person but just the fact that this is not how that other person dresses. Right. And I was like, wait, what? I'm confused. I, and it's just, I just need some context to understand what is going on. So then there's... I don't, I don't understand why any of this is happening or what it has to do with the story. <laughs> and they don't really... It doesn't no. seem to have anything to do with anything that comes for after it. So then a movie is being shot. Uh, Which I, I didn't realize until like halfway... Yeah through the fact that it was being shot and when the camera people start following them around. But one of the Nazi women that came in with um, alternate reality Nazi women came in with. Uh, no, that's, m- m- no, no, that you, you're talking about candy. Goodstroke. I don't know. Don't they send her back to her Nazi reality? So the 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 reason that they brought Excalibur to the movie set is that somebody from the Inth Man mm. universe, who is Doctor Candy Goodstroke, came to their universe similar to how the Nazi woman oh, came to their okay, universe. Okay, that's 
Some of this that became pretty difficult to read. It is. It is. <laughs> There's a lot of like, we I know a lot. Thank you for not understanding that because <laughs> I didn't understand half of what was going on either. There was a lot of talk about like, we know all sorts about cross time. We're the only one qualified to do this. Yeah. There's a scene where uh, Rachel and Nightcrawler are dancing up a spiral and Nightcrawler turns out to actually be spiral and, and she freaks out, at which point they turn into different people. A lot. Well, and it turns out to not really have happened at all. Yeah. And then uh, Galactus shows up, but he's not wearing his helmet. And it takes him a while to realize it's Galactus. But it's not Galactus. No. It's, it's, it's somebody from the Nth Man universe. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns out, I think, that Jamie Braddock is just watching TV and all the stuff that the crazy stuff that's happening is what Jamie is seeing on the TV. But this Galactus character, whose name is Elfie is a Jamie Braddock level guy in the Nth Man universe. So he has similar powers uh, or he's like a similar type of being, I guess. I don't I don't know. I don't know. It was somewhere around here where I just kind of thumbed through the <laughs> rest of the books. I was like, I don't know what, what is happening. Uh, Nightcrawler, I think, is able to save everybody by using the remote control to do some rewinding and fast forwarding. Maybe he clicks cancel. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, it, 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 this was, <clears throat> excuse me, this was surreal, but bad surreal. It, it wasn't like, whoa, this is all trippy. It just made no sense. There was too many, too many panels, too much dialogue for this story to breathe. Um, it, it was just, it came off as cramped, clustered. Um, and fast. Like, I don't get, a, like Barry Windsor Smith, and, and maybe this is because we got spoiled with Life, Death, uh, and the Katie Power episode where there's just like so much detail, especially the uh, X-Men 205 with Katie Power where there's like these big globs of snow and the panels are just so filled with things yet um, what you're supposed to see is popping out towards the foreground. This is just a mess and you there's... And I feel like you can't do that if you have nine panels on a page. Right. You need to be able to have fewer panels in this this just has so much information that it kind of the uniqueness of Barry Windsor Smith. You know, it's lost. You know what this feels like to me? It feels like um, uh, it feels like Jersey Girl. Do you remember the movie Jersey Girl? Yes. So uh, Kevin Smith uh, famously made Chasing Amy with Ben Affleck and everybody liked it. It's a hit. It, it, they made it for like no money. Ben Affleck may or may not have become a star off that movie, but that was one of his first starring roles. And so they were friends. uh, And then, you know, Ben Affleck became huge and and kind of was priced out of Kevin Smith's range. But they always wanted to do another project to recreate that fun and that magic that they had created on on the original uh, View Askew movies. So they put uh, put together Jersey Girl uh, and it didn't do good. Uh, Ben Affleck had like, other commitments and he couldn't be there for half the shooting and you know they wanted to do it all old school and then get back together and do like a commentary session and uh, uh ben affleck had like an hour to like do this commentary bottom line was like you, you can't go back and and kind of what i'm wondering here is there was also the whole geely thing that happened oh uh, yes ben affleck was in the movie geely with jennifer lopez yes. and it tanked and yes. apparently jennifer lopez got written out of a lot of jersey girl because of 
the fear that they were box office poison together. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't help either. But I think just from what I've heard anyways, the kind of the attitude on set, the wasn't the same. It wasn't like they were able to just kind of like kick back, play video games in between shots and, you know, like be, be dudes making movies. It was like, Oh, I got to be over at Armageddon or whatever he was shooting, you know, tonight. So we got to like, let's wrap this up. Um, I get the same vibe here of like Chris Claremont and, um, well, Bilson Kevich and, and, um, Barry Windsor Smith getting together. Like, let's, let's, let's get the band back together. Let's create like a new thing. Like I've worked with you. I've worked with you. Let's work together and let's make like a really kind of like wacky out there Excalibur episode. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be just like some of the old stuff we did. And then they all just ran out of time (laughs) and and they turned this in. That's, that's the feeling I get. Could be. It definitely doesn't feel like special. Nope. Not at all. In fact, it because of maybe because of the expectations of the specialness of it, it just feels even like this would be this would be a bad comic by anybody, but the fact that it's these creators makes it even worse. Right. I think if you throw in your 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 random fill in artist, this becomes kind of like a a meh fill in issue that that we that we don't spend this much time talking about. But because it's those creators, you're like, how did this happen? This is the same thing. A couple of issues ago, there was a Jamie Braddock issue. It was in the middle of the cross caper time continuum thing. Yeah. And there were race cars and anime girls. And we were confused and we didn't get it. And maybe maybe this is what Chris Claremont is going for. Is Every time Jamie Braddock shows up, it's going to be confusing and a bit of a mess. In which case, it's not for me. I mean maybe i just am not getting it and i'm okay with that uh yeah the the last jamie braddock one that we read that in which jamie braddock uh comes out of whatever stasis he was in and he's hanging out with the those weird people from from the bookshelf excalibur i don't remember if that one had race cards i liked that episode or that issue that that was the last probably okay. good episode because th- that was the one we were talking about with where nigel gets yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Into courtney ross i liked that, that that was the last memorable thing that happened that wasn't bad yeah that was also it was chris claremont and it was um what's his face alan davis alan davis right so i think uh th- those two had their chemistry going and they were able to create a weird story but still kind of keep it on the rails enough so that there was forward progress and a thing happened. This is not that. And, and I got to be honest, like as I was reading this issue of Excalibur, I was like, I, I might have to stop reading Excalibur because it's, (laughs) it's really getting painful. If it doesn't slow down (laughs) and take a breath, then yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I needed to do something like the, cross time caper there were there were moments of of interesting things that happened but for the most part i was like i don't care about any of this yeah um anyways let's talk about wolverine number lazarus project so this is part three of the lazarus project wolverine number 29 uh this is if you can have a fill-in issue of a poor four-part limited series this is it um, basically, uh, everybody's sitting around the fire, which is there's three people left after a village was slaughtered, uh, talk about their backstories. So you got Wolverine, whose backstory is the past two issues, who <laughs> I think over over seven pages, he recounts what happened over the first two issues of this 
uh, four-part miniseries. Um, then you have Karma, whose backstory takes a page, and basically she's like, I heard this, so I went to the village. And then you get the backstory of this third character, whose name is Target, uh, who we learn has his family has been traced or uh, been protecting this, uh, what do they call it, this this object. And nobody knows what the object is for. And at the end of the issue, they just leave the object in the village, despite the fact that they just got in the middle of sitting around in this fire, they get attacked by people coming to steal the object. So at the end of the issue, they decide, let's go back to Madripoor, but we're just going to leave the object here. And it's weird. So the, not that it matters, but the artist of this issue is... It's Bill Jaska again, isn't it? No, it's Barry Kitson. Oh, okay. And Barry Kitson, who I'm not familiar with, and I'm not saying his artwork is bad, definitely wanted to draw cool Wolverine stuff. So you get a lot of close-ups of his face. You get one sequence where they're sitting around the fire and his hair is kind of, it's too big, but his hair is like all puffed out. And like he pops his claws and then you get a view through his popped claws and then he brings his claws back in. Uh, some some stylish, some squatting Wolverine, some leaping out from the fires Wolverine. Uh, he really wanted to draw. Oh, and then the last panel where he's kind of like surprising these people. You got Wolverine coming out of the bush in the shadow and these claws coming out. Um None of them are particularly good drawings, but but he decided that he wanted to go for it, which I, I can give him props for that. I mean, he's he's he is a he's a decent artist. He's better than I can do. Sure. He's definitely uh, he definitely uh, has his uh, figures. They look like people. <laughs> yeah, uh, other fill-in artists, I think you know, play it safe. Uh, this is not played safe, and it's not bad. It's just you know, he's like, this is my shot. I'm going for it. Is kind of the vibe I got out of it. Yeah, he he is an average artist, I would say, or at least this comes off as average, Alpha, perhaps a little bit below average. Alpha Flight number eighty-seven was interesting. So remember Fabian Nis- Nicieza? I do. Who filled in for that issue of uh, New Mutants that we thought was terrible? Yeah. Well, no. he is now the writer of uh, Alpha Flight. So I'm thinking, like, he's just this up-and-coming guy. He's done a couple of issues of Marvel Comics Presents, and they gave him, uh, he's, he, he met, he's like, Rob, Rob Liefeld and him got along, so he filled in on that issue. And now they're like, all right, we're giving you Alpha Flight. And he's like, oh, man. <laughs> Alpha Flight? All right. I mean, I, I, I'm a writer, so I'm excited. I get my chance to do my writing. But I'm going to bring Wolverine into this, because Alpha Flight's got that backstory of Wolverine. And people like Wolverine... And I want to do cool stuff. Yep. Jim Lee does this cover. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very it's <laughs> yeah. very recognizable as Jim Lee, too. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's like a good Jim Lee cover, but it's Jim Lee. So you got you got the elements there. You got, you got a hot artist drawing your cover. You got your own comic. Uh, got it's Alpha guest Flight. starring Wolverine. And I, honestly, I don't know how much you want to talk about here, but it's a it's a it's a there's a lot of blood on Wolverine's hands. It, it happens multiple times. Yeah, for some reason, Wolverine isn't healing like he normally does. And I don't know. They never really explain it, so they make it just seem like he's getting old. I'm yeah. not really sure. Uh, maybe we'll find out next issue. Oh, and the cover of this issue says, A New Direction, A New Era, Building Blocks, Part 104. So definitely Fabian Nicesia is like, All right, well, 
let's reboot this thing. I don't know what's been happening. He probably does know what's been happening, but he yeah, definitely, he definitely wants to take know what's happening because he... they they kind of like he kills off some of the or he puts he hospitalizes the characters he doesn't like and brings Wolverine into the story and changes everything around and he's clearly headed in a direction that he feels like is gonna is gonna make Alpha Flight more interesting and bring Wolverine along for the ride to bring the readers. Yep. Which it, it's fine. Um, the story itself is is, is okay. Um, Alpha Flight's like uh, on on suspension or Canadian trial or something like that. Um, Puck's missing, uh, which is sad because you know it's not Alpha Flight without Puck. It's been Alpha Flight without Puck for quite a while. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I bit like the the Alpha Flight has been getting more and more convoluted as things go on, and they just did a big sorcery story where all of Canada was fighting all sorts of monsters. And there's now there's Alpha Flight and Gamma Flight. Um, so to make it everything simple, Gamma Flight has been disavowed. They're now a part of Alpha Flight. Uh, Jennifer Hudson's in charge. Wild Child, who is a member of Gamma Flight, goes berserk. Jennifer Alpha Hudson Flight. or Heather Hudson? Heather Hudson. I don't know who Jennifer Hudson is. Is that an actress? Uh, it's a, like an American uh, Idol winner, I think. Okay. Um <laughs> She is not in this issue. Heather Hudson is, takes over the team. Heather Hudson, as usual, is questioning everything she does. Very in character. Um, Wild Child, who feels like a offspring of Sabretooth, goes crazy. Alpha Flight tries to res- uh, bring him back or stop him from killing people. And Wolverine steps in and saves the day. Or, I guess, brings Wild Child under to Alpha Flight and delivers them at the end. Low weather, long time no see. When this he- pile of trash what you've been looking for. When Jennifer Hudson says no, is he referring to is she referring to Wild Child or the fact that Wolverine's back in town? I think the fact that Wolverine's back in town ta- in town. Also you said Jennifer Hudson. Which I, I did. I awesome. did that on purpose. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Next uh, part two featuring Wolverine and the return of the most requested and least expected Alfin of all. I don't know who that could be. I hope it's Alf. It's probably not Elf. Is it Puck? It's probably Puck. Oh, I can't wait. I don't know why, but I like Puck. Um, Marvel. <laughs> Did not know that about you. Well, I, I don't. I've never read anything about Marvel. I mean Puck. Uh, but you know, Puck. He's he's a short dude. I don't know what his powers are. Probably strong. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Marvel Comics presents number 50 um, is actually Puck is really weird because he's actually a tall man who was like taken over by a spirit and shrunk into a small man. That's right. And he he has like like uh, uh, body issues or something like nobody can love me because I'm so short, which is kind of ridiculous. But (laughs) Uh, Marvel Comics presents number 50 is the 50th anniversary. And it's it's a it's a Eric Larson cover. Yeah, it's Eric Larson. And you got a whole bunch of like. Superheroes and supervillains in the background. Marvel Comics 50th anniversary? 50th anniversary issue. That's that's it's not the 50th it's not the 50th anniversary of Marvel in uh 1990. What is it the 50th anniversary well, issue maybe, of? Maybe I'm very is. confused. So this is what 90 so let's say this is 93. So yeah, no, it's, it's 1990. It says it I oh, know you're right, it's 1990. So I don't so, know did, did Captain America come out in 1940? Maybe. <laughs> Weird. I, I think, wonder if that's a mistake. Yeah, I feel like they mean 50th issue. <laughs> uh, anyways, 
Uh, Wolverine, breaking point number three, an Eric Larson story. It's, it's kind of fun. You know? It's written by Eric Larson. Yeah, I think, you know, the the writing is not great. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I think I've complained before about Eric Larson's artwork, but I'm coming around and being like, no, Eric Larson's got his own style and it's good, right? It's not, you're not going to get, when he draws Wolverine, you're not going to get a John Byrne Wolverine or, you know, some other classic art. You're going to get an a Eric Larson Wolverine. And when you see that picture, you're going to be like, that's Eric Larson's artwork. And I think that's a mark of a, uh, of a successful artist. And he's definitely part of this wave of yes. uh, more, more dynamic. I'd call him like tier two. Cause I don't think he ever reaches the same levels of notoriety or success that the others do. But you know, he's the founding member of image. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> With his Savage Dragon, who, as we said previously, is in this issue. Yeah, and Savage Dragon uh, gets lines and holds a gun. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but really, the story, everything explodes at the end of the issue. Um, everybody that he was fighting, Spider-Man, that is, disintegrates. Wolverine disappears. Uh, and then, you know, he's got his photographs. He's like, well, I don't understand. Wolverine's not in, in any of these pictures. Just these other guys who disappeared. Oh, my bad. Um, oh, and one of the characters earlier was his dentist in his uncle's, um, Uncle Ben's jacket or clothing. So that throws him for a loop. Yeah, which was weirdly random. Yes. And I wonder if, like, I don't know, is this canon? <laughs> It just I don't seems know. like a weird thing for uh, Spider-Man's uncle's killer's dentist to be, or uh, Spider-Man's uncle's killer's brother dentist to be running around the Marvel Universe. Well, he, he go Harry, my dad, my old costume professor Warren, Ned Leeds, Frederick Foswell, Gene DeWolf's brother, Liz's stepbrother, Gloria Grant's boyfriend, and now Flash's girlfriend, Arnie, and my dentist? It's too much. Is it me, Mary Jane? Am I causing all of this? So wait, his dad is a villain? Like, we actually get to meet Peter Parker's dad at some point? Well, no, I just think that his dad is missing. Oh. And he never got to know him and is gotcha. not really sure. Or, or did he mean uh, Harry's dad? Well, he says uh, Harry. Oh, Harry, his dad. Never mind. Yeah, Harry My old costume. Performer. He's talking about, okay, I misread that. Uh, yeah, and then so it, it flashes over to Wolverine, who who's obviously there. I guess he helped somebody escape. So I had to Google this, which I did just now. Okay. I typed in to Google because uh, uh, he gives you he gives you some some clues into who this person is. It's uh, Captain. He says, "Time to move on, Captain. Mm-hmm. Time for me to move on, Captain." So long, Mister Beck. You too, kid. Good luck. So I Googled. Uh, Marvel Comics Captain Beck. Okay, and what came came up with CC Beck, who is a comic book uh, artist who did Captain Marvel, uh, also known today as Shazam, mm. and uh, died. It looks like around the time that this issue came out. So, um, I guess this is an homage to to this person. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. There's one other th- okay, so that was that story. Uh, not not it, it, fun, fun little three parter, but nothing to write home about. Um, 
What I do want to talk about for just a moment, if you'll indulge me, is Captain <laughs> Ultra. Okay, I didn't I didn't read any of the backups to this, so and let me so, skip ahead to the Captain Ultra. There's nothing. Okay, go ahead. It's it's a, it's a silly story, kind of in the vein of Forbushman or did wasn't there? A, oh, what the? That was a kind of a, the yep. silly Mad Magazine uh, Marvel story. So that that's really all that's happening here. And Captain Ultra's got kind of a funny backstory. He uh, is a plumber who fixed somebody's pipes. And that guy couldn't pay him, but he happened to be a wizard. So he bestowed him with the powers to be better than anybody else, but not everybody else. So like if he's in the room with a doctor, he has the ability to be a little bit better than that doctor. (laughs) Or in this issue, like he goes to a comedy club and he he's like, I can be a little bit better than every other comic in this entire room. Right. Uh, And that that's, I guess a superhero power, I guess he can fly and stuff too. But a couple of things to say about this it has nothing to do with the action. It has nothing to do with this podcast. When I was a kid, I uh, played the Marvel superheroes role-playing game. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, when you picked up the second edition, you got a couple of books, you got like your, it wasn't a dungeon masters book. I don't remember what the, the guide was called, but and then you got like a, a character book. So all of the, the good guys, the bad guys, uh, their stats, their abilities, and all those things. Um, and then, so I played that a lot with with people in fifth and mostly fifth grade, I think. But I always carried it on like, oh, you know, after summer, we're, we're going to get back together in sixth grade. And we're going to keep playing because we're so into this Marvel superheroes that um, I was at local hobby shop and they happened to have like, you know, A to Z Marvel superheroes character sheets. Uh, and it was like this binder and it, there was like, I don't know, a hundred sheets of paper in it and it was characters A through F. No, it couldn't have been because I had, well, the whole thing I'm getting to is Ultraman was a character I had in this book. So maybe I had A through Z. Maybe I had all of the characters. Captain Ultra. Oh, Captain Ultra. There you go. Uh, So I think it was like A through F. So I didn't have everybody, but I had, you know, I was flipping through this and I would read all of these characters. I'm like, I've never heard of this character. I've never heard of this character. And then you get to Captain Ultra and it is, um, I don't think the pose that they use for the for the character sheet is here but i was like this guy's awesome he's got like this big grin on him he's got this like super colorful costume i can't wait for the guys to get back together and we'll play marvel superheroes because i want to do an adventure and i'm going to be captain ultra (laughs) and then we never played (laughs) but i i always had this kind of like connection with with captain ultra i was like one day I'm going to find the issue in which he's in. And here do it is. Do you think this is it? This isn't is the first appearance. So I did do some Googling. And uh, I thought he was just like a one-off character. And because the Marvel superheroes character sheets were like all in like every character in the Marvel universe, they had to literally dig up every single character that ever had a power and put them in this book and give them like a backstory and, and, and all the stats and stuff. Um, but no, he was first in like Fantastic Four. Um he was in civil war somewhere. I don't know where. Um, and then there's like a bunch of alternate reality stories that he's in. So this is like his second or third appearance. Hmm. I wonder if it's his last. No, no. Like I said, when I looked up the, the character, uh, appearances, he was somewhere in civil war. Oh, so uh, for some reason I thought you meant, or said secret wars. 
No. Which is very different than Civil War. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that's more of a personal uh, I- indulging story there, a personally indulgent story there. He was uh, he, he tried to become a member of the Great Lakes Avengers. That makes sense. They're around now-ish. Uh, he was an Iron Man in issue number two or in 2005. Marvel Holiday Special in 1991. Uh, I think, is that the same Holiday Special that we pulled the uh, Molten Man story out of or whatever it was? It might very well be. I don't remember. the. Well, there's two Holiday Specials. Uh, holiday Special in 1991, number one. Holiday Special 1991, number three. Oh, I guess there must have been four of those. Oh, he was in a copy of What the... Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff here. Iron Man in 2005, as I mentioned. New Avengers in 2011. Captain America and the Mighty Avengers in 2015. So this guy's been around. Here we go. Civil War II, Choosing Sides, 2016, number two. He's in the backstory. Okay. I've never read Civil War II. One of these days I should read that. Oh, Civil War II even? Yeah. Wow. I've only read the first issue, I think. So anyways, I, Captain Ultra. Captain Ultra. Captain Ultra. I got nothing to add. I don't have any <laughs> secret characters that I was into. As I think I did have some of those uh, pages of Marvel stats, but I feel like they came in uh, little packages with the paper holes cut out of them, and you could put them into your own binder. Yeah. And I still have a binder somewhere. I, I do not. But, but the binder that I had said, like, Marvel superheroes role-playing game. It had some artwork on it. Like, it was like official Marvel superheroes character sheet, three hole punch holder. Yeah. I think I had the same thing. And, and sounds, wh- sounds really familiar. Whoever bought that for me probably spent way too much money on it, <laughs> but all those character sheets were cool. There was an issue of Ziggy pig slash silly seal that came out in 2019. that features captain ultra. Yeah, I don't know what Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal are. I don't either. I just think it's funny that there's an issue one called Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal from 2019. I have no idea what it is. In a canoe going downstream over a waterfall, the salmon are going upstream, and they have a map of Latveria. (laughs) So, uh, you know... I'm going to go back on that whole 50th anniversary thing because this issue of Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal, which came out in March of 2019, says 80 years of Marvel. So the uh, 50th issue of Marvel Comics Presents being released in 1990 is pretty close to 50 years. Okay. You know. So there you go. This issue, yeah, this issue came out in exactly March of 1990, so 50 years prior to that would be 1940. So maybe, maybe it is the anniversary of some timely comic that was the first timely comic or whatever. Uh, All right, Adam, do you got anything human, else? Human Torch or whatever. <laughs> you got anything else, Adam? Uh, no, no, I don't have anything else. How could we have anything else after all this? I'm gonna shut her down. It's it's. It's too long, Adam. It's this too is long. The, this, is, this is the longest episode in a, while, in a while. So, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Danger Room.